The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Near the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he visits his hometown of Nazareth. In the words of Isaiah, he states and claims his identity, purpose, and mission. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Now you know where the words come from. If you paid attention to what you read in the psalm this morning. The last verse of the psalm has always been the opening for me in my message. Please pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our salvation. Amen. It's still January. Let me ask you a question. All those resolutions and changes you were promised to make on January 1st. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. In fact, Carol knows for me that every time for this month of January when we turn on the television in, in the morning and watch any one of the news stories, especially any one of the you know, NBC or CBS or any one of them, the whole thing about January is, well, change your life. Well, maybe not change your life, improve your life. You know, go out and get on that diet, and there are 100,000 diets out there. Get out there and get to the gym at least three or four or five or six or seven times a week. Get that stuff into your life and get all that life improvement moving. We're almost toward the end of the month. And I also have noticed that on television, that uh, all that blitz and all that stuff that hits you those first couple of weeks is suddenly starting to dissipate. Oh, they still bring in some diets occasionally. They still bring in some people about doing some type of exercise, etc. But it's not as emphasized as much as it was earlier. 
and give us a couple of months. And you'll be lucky if you hear any of it. Unless someone comes up with another new diet. And then they will highlight it and they will say, this is for your life's improvement. Change your life. Now notice I'm using a very important word. I'm saying to you, we do this stuff mostly for life improvement, don't we? We want to improve our lives. I know that, you know, when I think about what happened to me and all the things that I needed to change, etc., they're for life improvements. But you know the problem with improvements? They don't last. Improvements just seem to be there for a period of time. And anybody and anybody in this congregation, and I can understand this for myself, if you have ever put yourself on a diet and you've decided it was going to improve your life, how long do you stay on it? How long, Deb? Five? Five minutes? Oh, five minutes. Well, I, I thought you were saying five months. You know, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? When we use that term improvement, we use that term to mean something that affects me. Think about it. I want you to listen to today's gospel reading. Jesus comes to his own hometown. And any one of us who's ever been a professional church worker... And any one of us who has ever been, especially in the pastoral ministry, knows the most difficult place to go to preach is at home. I can remember the first time after, while I was still in the seminary, my home congregation decided to invite me to preach. I don't think I sweat that much in all my life. And then when you come out of church that morning and all these people are telling you, wow, you know, you've really done well. That's really a great sermon. And then someone will come up to you and say, I remember you when you were in the eighth grade. (laughs) Or someone will come up to you and say, I remember you when you were in my Sunday school class. And now you're the pastor? imagine that. I can imagine that happening in the life of Jesus here. He goes and they all know him. This is his hometown. So they know him. They've watched him grow up. They watched him work in his father's, you know, whatever he did, woodworking, whatever he did. I'm not sure what kind of carpentry he did. They watched him work there and I'm sure he did. And, you know, here he comes and now they've heard stories about him. They've heard about his life. And now he comes and he comes to preach. And they give him the scroll. These beautiful words of Isaiah. And he reads them to them. And he puts the scroll down. And now can you imagine that moment? All their eyes are upon him. They know him. They know his life. They know everything about him. Remember, this is small town America, just like here. Everybody knows everything. And the first words he says to them today 
This scripture has been fulfilled before you. My friends, that's what I call not life improvement. I call that a life-changing moment. Suddenly, everything that they thought, knew, or even had an inkling about this person called Jesus was suddenly changed. It wasn't that he had gone to the right seminary. It wasn't that he had gotten some kind of thing in his life, some kind of, I mean, Jesus must have had, you know, several MDivs or whatever else degrees he could have hung on the wall. It wasn't any of that stuff, but there was something about that moment that declared it was going to be different. Something changed. It was a life-changing moment. The scriptures tried to give us a little hint of that. If you paid attention to what I read, you know, and it says, when he came to Nazareth, and he, and, uh, he began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everybody. This, the, the, everything is set. But even though everything was set, the moment came, and it was How about all those moments in our life? If I were to ask you, have you had a life-changing moment in your life? Something that changed you forever? That's what we're talking about. Not just simply life improvement, not just simply something that you're going to, not, to make yourself feel better, but something that changed your whole being and affected everyone around you. Life-changing moments. And I want to lay before you this very morning, in this year of our Lord, 2016, and this 24th day of January, in the year of our Lord, 2016, that that's how we need to experience our faith. You see, our faith is not given to us to improve our lives. Oh, what? Our faith isn't that moment those words came to us, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, wasn't to improve your life at all. It was to change you. You see, too often we just take this stuff and we say, well, see what happens with improvements? By the way, in case you haven't done this, have you ever done home improvements? Okay, and what's the first thing you do, go, do when you do home improvements? First of all, decide which one you want to do, and then decide how much you want to spend, and then deciding after you get it done, you should have done something else. Well, if that's the way we take our faith, if that's the way we take, and that's what is happening in this gospel reading, if for these people that day, all Jesus was was changing and just improving as to who he was to be and what he was to proclaim and how he was to be, eh. That's it. 
But to see if you make a life-changing moment. If we understand that in the gospel, in the words of simple words in our baptism, or when you come up here this morning, or if you heard those words of me at the very beginning of the service, and I sometimes wonder if we really pay attention to what those words say. Do you really hear what I say? And does those words really, really, really become life-changing? Or do you think you're just going out here improved? Did you hear those words? Oh, I'll say them again. Listen to them. I, 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 you know, they're so powerful words. They're, they're so simple. I know them by heart, but I never say anything by heart when I'm preaching. As a called and minister, ordained minister of Christ's church and by his authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My friends, that doesn't mean your life is improved. That means your life has changed. You don't leave here as the same person you did when you came in here. Because all that stuff you brought in with you, all that stuff that is on you, all that stuff that is guilt and sin, all that stuff that holds us down, all that stuff that just tears us apart with the power of those words, it's gone. That's the grace of God. It's gone. And God doesn't want you to understand your life is improved. He wants you, to, you and me to understand that our lives from that moment on have changed. You know that day after Jesus preached in that synagogue and said today the scripture has been fulfilled in your presence from that moment on they couldn't see him any different than what they heard and what they were about to see and what they were about to experience because it was a life-changing moment. And all of you know, as I said before, you all had life-changing moments and we all remember them and we all hold on to them and we all remind ourselves of how much they have changed us, whatever they may be. But I say to you this very day, every time you come to this place, every time you hear that Jesus Christ suffered and died and rose for you, every time you hear that absolution and that that to those words, understand for yourself this very day, this is not life improvement, this changes us. And when we leave here, we aren't the same people we were when we came in. Life improvement? There's lots of courses out there. There's lots of things to help you change your life or improve your life. There's lots of places you can go. There's lots of books you can read on life improvement. And if that's all you want in your life, that's good. 
But I want to say to you, when you come here, you hear the word of God, you partake in his grace and his love in a sacrament like this, or we remember daily in our lives those words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That isn't life improvement, my friends. That's life changed. Do we believe it? Do we live it? Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, now and forevermore. And all God's people say,